It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. And with me always here in the studio, Mike Malinger. So good to have you, my friend. Hey, it's good to be back, John. We have a very special show that I believe is just fitting for such a time as this, because there is a debate, that heated topic going on all around us right now of gun control. And now we discussed this to great detail back on May, in fact, May 18th, after the STEM school shooting in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. And given the fact that there's been two more shootings that have really made the media headlines these days, over 30 people were were killed, unfortunately, in El Paso, Texas on August 3rd and in Dayton, Ohio on August 4th. And so it's been this consistent discussion in the media once more with this, I don't know, with it being propagated in the media with this message of people demanding action. That's what we're hearing right now. So we want to talk about this. But let me first start off with this harsh reality. More laws don't bring morality. There are more than 200 laws and 3,000 regulations passed each year federally. federally. And there have been over 90,000 regulations, 4,300 laws passed since 1995, adding to the more than 300,000 laws in these United States. In fact, there are over 20,000 laws already in place for governing the use and ownership of guns. And just this week in the USA Today, in fact, it was on Tuesday of this week, of this week there was a, uh, an article put out to the general public, if you will, of uh, screaming for more gun control. They state that in the wake of Newtown, Pulse, Vegas, Dayton, and even El Paso, that it's now time for tougher gun laws. And they immediately cite a statistic that there have been 251 mass shootings in 2019. Now, this number is drawn from incidences that involve four or more people and a weapon is present in the situation. All four people can experience injury of some type, but not necessarily as a result of the firearm in that situation. So this data is pulled from the Gun Violence Archive, which is clearly an anti-gun organization that uses an algorithm that's misleading at best and widely cited by mainstream media. They also claim that there are over 200 mayors that have been pushing Congress and calling for the Senate to come back from recess and make these changes that they're demanding that they claim are the will of the majority of Americans. So the NRA then released a statement which they state that uh, they will work with the good faith to pursue real solutions to the epidemic of gun violence in America, but many proposals that are nothing more than soundbite solutions which fail to address the root of the problem and confront criminal behavior or make our communities safer. Now, Wayne LaPierre, who's the CEO of the NRA, stated that these changes demanded by a few vocal politicians unfairly infringe upon the rights of law-abiding citizens. Now, the Pew Research Center states that 42% of all Americans own a firearm, and of that particular group of people, 62% of them own more than one. And they also report that 47% of Americans feel that Congress should protect their gun gun owner rights. And, And this, interesting enough, has dropped 
from 52% in 2016. And, and that really may lay claim to the fact that maybe there is this narrative that's building traction here in these United States. Now, according to the National Physicians Alliance, 92% of the American public support mandatory background checks on every gun sale. 52% support a ban on military-style assault weapons. And 59% support banning high-capacity magazines. They even state that 87% of NRA members and 83% of non-NRA gun owners agree that support for the Second Amendment rights go hand-in-hand with keeping illegal guns out of the hands of criminals. Now, 86% of NRA and 86% of non-NRA member uh, gun owners uh, agree that we can do more to stop criminals from getting guns while also protecting the rights of citizens to freely own them. Now, all of that easier said than done. So let's clear up some misunderstandings here on Engage in Truth. The United States is number 10 on the list in countries around the world with gun violence, not number one, as you might believe from what you've heard in the media. Now, according to the Crime Prevention Research Center, the United States falls to number 11 in mass shootings worldwide. Now, when you compare this then to the frequency, the U.S. falls to number 12 behind nations like France, Austria, Finland, Norway, and even Switzerland. So there's this great illusion being propagated that the U.S. is leading the way in all categories when this is clearly false. But we can all agree that any gun violence is wrong and should be prevented at all costs. So to help us really shed some more light on this, to help us navigate all of our thoughts, we have two special guests here on Engage in Truth, Michael Cole, and Robert Neal. And both men are highly trained, certified firearm experts, dealers, and instructors. And they've agreed to help us examine the gun control subject with further clarity, with further clarity on this very difficult subject. So Michael and Robert, welcome to Engage in Truth. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. How you doing, John? Well, it's great to have you guys. So let me just throw you a real tough question to kick us off here. Could the recent mass shootings in Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas have been prevented by tougher gun laws? Honestly, I don't believe so. Um, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all have that probably that narrative in mind yeah. here that uh, you know the more laws we add doesn't really solve the dilemma, right? <laughs> no, it, it's just a big gun grab. That's all I want. Yeah, well, the, the, yeah, and it, it it hasn't helped in the last fifteen twenty years. We've created all these laws, <laughs> and the violence has, if anything, gone further. Um, in the face of the laws, uh, some of the toughest gun laws we have in the country are in some of the most violent states and cities in the country. Mm-hmm. So the, the gun laws obviously aren't working the way we want them to. Well, now, they've, they've made several proposals to Congress, they being several vocal politicians uh, trying to lay claim that uh, the vast majority of Americans are behind them on this, 200 mayors and so forth. We're hearing the narrative on this. And so let's just cover some of the, those that have been proposed. They, they have stated that further gun laws are the solution to America's problem. And they've proposed four key ones. In fact, one is a tougher background checks. Uh, they, they've highlighted H.R. 8 and H.R. 1112. And I just wonder if the two of you could even help us shed some light on what that means. What, what do they really do compared to what we have right now with background checks? Um, so the HR8 is would prohibit most person-to-person firearm transfers unless a background check uh, is conducted. So it aims at closing what they're calling a potential loophole, allowing the transfer of firearms without a background check um, at their gun shows and between person-to-person individuals. So... 
me and a friend of mine or, you know, somebody off the street that I, that I want to sell a gun to um, as an individual and not going through a dealer with a background check. Um, we already have that here in Colorado. It was passed, I believe, in, it was 2013. It went into effect where um, private party have to go through a transfer or a background check to sell it to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, in Colorado, we're still allowed to, by law, um, I can gift a firearm to an immediate relative, you know, being my son or daughter, wife, mother, or father, uh, that type of thing, without doing a background check, um, as long as I can do so, um, not knowingly giving it to somebody that I believe couldn't pass a background check on them on their own. Mm. Um, and even if you read up on that HR8, it still allows the same thing. It's just requiring background checks for private sales in states that don't currently require it. Mm. Robert, your thoughts on that? So, yeah, I mean, while the, the background check seems like a good idea, um, what this is going to do is it's going to is going to ask people who are already more than willing to follow the laws to continue to follow the laws. The people who are already buying and selling guns without background checks, um, or just person to person who are doing it illegally, um, don't care that they continue to do it illegally. So, um, further restricting that and saying, hey, it's now more mandated that we do background checks is really just going to going to fly in the face of somebody who's already willing to commit a crime um and and they're just they're going to continue to ignore it as they feel that they are now mm-hmm. and of course and then we have hr 1112 that states that it extends at least 10 days the amount of time firearm dealers must wait for a response from the background check system before the sale can proceed and currently they can make the sale if they haven't received a response in three days uh, does that really change anything here in colorado Honestly, in Colorado, I've been in business for over 10 years um, with an FFL license, and I don't think it's honestly going to change anything for us. Um, Currently in Colorado, we already go through both a Colorado state background check and the NCIS or National Instant Criminal Database system. So that's through the FBI background check. I have never received um, a basically they're, they're sending you instead of a proceed or denied reaction, they're, mm-hmm. they're sending you one that's delayed response. Um, huh. And in my 10 years, I, I think I've received one time wow. that it's given me a delayed response. And, and so what that's saying is if I don't hear anything after three days and all I ever got was the delayed response, I can go through with the sale and transfer that firearm. And so this would change that to 10 days. Hmm. Um, okay. And in the one instance that I did receive a delayed response, it was finished after less than 24 hours, I got an actual response come back. So, well, so just more bureaucracy really without yeah. the intended results uh, really being added. Now, of course, in this stretches into the red flag laws, we could probably spend multiple shows talking about this one. Uh, in fact, uh, our, our president, Donald Trump, even mentioned a little bit about this, too. And, uh, and it seems like he's pulled back on some of that narrative, uh, that dialogue specifically about the red flag law. But, uh, you know, this one seems to be really, <laughs> no pun intended, but has red flags all over it. Right. Uh, this is a huge issue. Mike, I know Mike Malinger, you were talking about this a, a few weeks back when we were just covering just the red flag laws. Yes. Yeah. You know, and the red flag laws, do they work? They work. Did they work in California here just recently during the garlic festival? <laughs> Sandy Hook, you know, don't get me wrong, it was a horrible incident. But that state had red flag laws at that point. Mm. The kid didn't own guns, his mother owned the guns, and he just went and took her guns. Right. So yeah. is there a law that's going to prevent that? 
Is there a log that's going to have Mike's my neighbor and he just he's upset at me and he says, hey, this guy, my neighbor, he's got these guns and he's as crazy as can be. And pretty soon I have no guns and I have to prove that I'm not. Right. Yeah. The, you're guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right? And confiscate your weapons. I mean, now it's going to be paranoia. Um, if I, you know, there's a disagreement between a husband and a wife, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever that might be. And of course, right. our mind stretches to the possibilities here because it really has left it very nebulous as far as I, I've heard anyway. And, and gentlemen, you know, Robert, Mike, if you guys can comment to that, I don't know if you, maybe you share the exact same concerns that there's just not enough definitive action to this to be able to narrowly define how it can be used because right now it could be just really in any scenario i don't think this person's stable that you need to take their firearms absolutely and what i fear is you know not only is take away my fourth amendment but my sixth amendment rights you Mm -hmm. know you got your unlawful search and seizure okay so they say oh this person's a, a threat okay but then they go before a judge without me present Okay, and then a judge who doesn't know you from Adam decides, okay, well, you're you're good enough, so, you know, what you've said is good enough, so let's go ahead and issue this order to take it away. Okay, yeah. uh, if you look at the data, the the data from the states that have had this in place, you know, usually the people don't get them back. You know, they're mm-hmm. destroyed. They're you know confiscated and destroyed. Never, you know, they don't have the option to turn them over to, let's say, a licensed dealer to hold on to it. They have to turn them into the state, which then destroys them. Um, instead of turning them over to a dealer, which they can't get them back until they, you know, have completed whatever's going on with this thing. And then if they were able to get them back, goes back through background check in order to, to receive them back and in, into their possession, or they have the ability to at least sell them and get some of the money that they've spent thousands on, hmm. you know, to purchase these things. You know, uh, I think that would be at least a little bit better. I, I don't, I don't agree with it at all because I think that what we're going to happen is instead of the whole swatting where people were calling in fake things to get the SWAT department to show up at people's houses, mm-hmm. we'll wind up people calling in red flag things to exactly. They see your neighbor carrying out a bunch of guns one day to go to the firearms, the range and go shooting, you know, or carrying something out to go hunting and they don't like that because they feel unsafe um, mm-hmm. with that person living next door. Next thing you know, they call in a, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, Make that's even my a, belief, honestly. I accusations think it, that could just run rampant here. Uh, yep. So the potential is quite damaging, to, especially the reputation of law-abiding citizens. Uh, and, and right. of course, and, and going into the assault weapons ban, I know our time is limited, and we just could probably spend hours on even red red flag laws. Uh, and, and Robert, you can certainly speak to that. But if you could also incorporate the fact that here they also want to go after assault weapons and large capacity magazines. They believe that these two specifically are to blame or in, enable individuals to do greater damage uh, and acting out their fantasies, uh, their mental disabilities of some sort, whatever that might be, that this is the tool that they're using of choice to create these, these mass uh, ways of, of killing large numbers of people. Um, so can you speak to those specifically? Because that seems to be winning some some momentum here as people who are unfamiliar with these weapons, how they're used, even how the media is calling them out. They're often, uh, the, the number's exaggerated of rounds per minute, the type of weapons being oh. used. I, they really don't seem to care about accuracy in that at all. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when you when you talk about the difference between what, what people who know what an assault weapon is versus what the media is portraying an assault weapon is, is fundamentally wrong. Um, I mean, the, the standard definition that most of us who know what an assault weapon is, 
is is something that's issued to the military or to law enforcement specifically for a high rate of fire um, and, and for for mass conflict. Whereas when you look at like an AR-15, in contrast, is a single uh, single shot per trigger pull, what we would call a semi-automatic weapon. Um, but so the, the rate of fire is much much slower. Um, yeah, so when when they when they throw it out there, it's like oh, and, and then they cite the actual incidents. Like, well, see how many people he hurt. Um, but realistically, they, he could have hurt them with just as many, you know, with a, with a uh, with you know a bolt action rifle had they taken their time. And we go back, uh, um, you know, a couple decades, and you have the the Dallas shooter at the Bell Tower, who mm. was who was using a bolt action rifle, and he was he was laying waste to people in that situation because they couldn't stop him. And um, so they're saying, oh, well, this is very similar in that situation. Mm. An assault weapon need to be banned. We need to have lower capacities. Um, right. We talked to, just a moment ago about the Garlic Festival, and, and there were four people killed there. And that's tragic. But, I mean, a gentleman with a knife a week before that killed four people in the same amount of time. So mm. are, we really, are we really talking about the tool, or are we talking about the individual at that point? Right. Yeah, that's right. And, you know... Liberal progressives want to get rid of the AR-15, you know, because it's scary looking. And uh, they think it'll prevent mass shootings. And we know that if you ban it, we're going to end up like the like France, where guns are illegal. And Islamic terrorists got AK-47s fully, you know, automatic uh, AKs. And they used them for terror and defenseless yeah. civilians and that's what's going to happen they just want to take guns away we'll be defenseless and we'll be like chicago mm-hmm. where you right. can't have a gun but you know the gangs can and <laughs> large capacity magazines here's another one you ever tried to carry a weapon around with a hundred rounds loaded in it right. it's <laughs> heavy <laughs> Right. Seems unrealistic. But they do have them out there. I mean, do you think there's any uh, criteria there? Is, is the argument viable to say that a hundred round magazine, is that really necessary? Of course, we talk about for, to the hundred enthusiasts, to those who are sporting enthusiasts, and, and they say that they want these. And then on the other end, they say, wow, having that availability, you're just opening the door to somebody to commit mass murder. Is that what are your thoughts? I mean, gentlemen, you, you have to deal with these kind of questions all yeah. the time. I, I so here in Colorado, <laughs> we, we've already been you know, banned on owning what they consider high capacity or large yes. capacity magazines back in 2013 again. Um, so we're limited to 15 as it is, um, unless you owned them prior, you get to keep them. Um, honestly, I mean, I, I've been involved in hunting, um, sport shooting, um, competition shooting, um, all of those things. Yes, they're available. You can have a 60 round or you can have a hundred round magazine for certain firearms. Are they, Bought often, not really. Are they useful? Yeah, you can play around at the range. Um, other than that, I mean, really, it, it's they're not reliable. So, yeah, we can ban them, you know, or people can continue to own them. Are they some highly sought after? Not really. Um, mm-hmm. Most people will tell you that, that they, they don't <laughs> work, so why bother? Um, but, yeah, they are, they are available and open to the public in a lot of states, so... Uh, I mean, we could beat a dead horse about why we should or shouldn't. Um, But honestly, I I think that the bands, I can change a magazine and have my gun back in use with Mm -hmm. these smaller capacity magazines in less time than, you know, one, I might miss one round being shot if I didn't have to reload. That's how fast I can do it. So it, and it takes very little training to get to that 
mm-hmm. ability. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and then the other thing, Joe Biden's smart gun technology, you know, the fingerprint scanning. Right. Is that the same fingerprint scanning that doesn't work on my phone? Absolutely. <laughs> my finger's wet. It, it won't read. Right. Yeah. If you're sweating, if you're wet, if you got any grease on your fingers, it, it doesn't work. Right. Right. And of course, we understand that they're just trying to grab for something, right? Something to appease the general masses to say that we're the uh, pro uh, anti-gun politician mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to stand for what you yeah. believe on these issues. And then they propose these things that really are, are not realistic. I, the smart gun technology really has become uh, sort of center in some of this debate of whether all firearms need to now be converted to have some kind of fingerprint scanner that identifies the, the person who has been sold that firearm, the person using that firearm with that particular weapon, and, the, and it limits all of the whole background checks and so on. Well, which they know is unreasonable for the average person. They won't be able to afford it, much right. less uh, are there going to be conversion kits available for every weapon that's ever been produced and handed down from my grandfather or whoever mm-hmm. that people now own. Um, not right. to mention there's no record of guns being once they're 20 years old. So... How do we even know how many are in the U.S.? How would we know how to take them all away? Right. You know, yeah, the dilemma still remains. Right. And adding technology, I mean, Robert, I don't know your thoughts on that. Uh, technology really has been so reliable for us over the years, especially when it comes to our identities just being so protected by uh, all this technology <laughs> out there. So I can't imagine anything could possibly go wrong that, that those who yeah, low jack their cars, there's, there's no, no way they'd be stolen. hack that or, or find <laughs> oh, a workaround. Yeah. Um, right. I agree with Mike. I think it's a financial burden. Um, if you look back at the um, the NFA law, when it was originally written um, back for prohibition and stuff like that, it was a revenue-generating um, idea. Um, and it put those restricted items that were on the list that required an, a $200 tax stamp, because it hasn't been changed since 1934, um, it put that out of reach of most Americans because they couldn't afford to spend Two hundred dollars. You were talking about back when a car was five hundred dollars. Um, you know, so they oh, we're gonna be a two hundred dollar suppressor or a two hundred dollar you know machine gun or short barreled shotgun. Um, it was just to limit the access um, and to add a revenue. Um, so when you talk about hey, we're gonna create this technology and we're gonna have it and it's gonna be great and wonderful. Yeah, like you said, nobody's hacked my account, nobody's broken into my email, um, you know, nobody's stolen my credit card information. I mean. I, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but we just was it Capital One just had a major or like over one million people whose data has been breached in the last week. Right. Um, yeah, smart guns would be totally safe and usable. <laughs> so I, we're just even scratching the surface here on just some of the debate. And if you're just tuning in to Engage in Truth, uh, we've been covering some of the uh, many aspects of this gun control hot topic that is going on out there right now. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, gentlemen, we're just going to have to do a part two to this because we have so much more to cover. If you're willing to come back on Engage in Truth, we'd love to just talk more about this hot topic because I know that there's there's a lot of misleading information out there. There are folks who have heard one side of the narrative. They, they've heard it enough times that they believe it and maybe never looked up any statistics on this. And I think that what we'll cover even into our next week's program uh, will really shed some light on this. I mean, really highlight the fact that some of these statistics are really very misleading and it's not as gloom and doom out there as we might believe it to be. Despite the unfortunate circumstances that have recently occurred, any loss of life, especially by a firearm, a knife or anything, whether it's somebody just being harmed in any way, we want to avoid as much as possible and that that we remain firm on. 
But the issue here that's now become the narrative is how we can remove guns from America, how we can take firearms away from even law-abiding citizens and how they'll suffer as a result of this. And there's a huge implication. I know Donald Trump is hearing it from multiple sides, Congress, Senate, the House of Representatives alike, mayors, everyone is hearing everyone's demand for something. And so I think we want to cover this to more detail even next week. So I want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. I want you to share this broadcast with your friends and family. Get the word out there. Be informed. That's what we ultimately want you to have here on Engage in Truth. Go to calvaryfountain.com if you want to re-listen to this program. There we have the archive of our broadcasts, and we encourage you to share it, comment to it, Let us know your thoughts on this subject, again, at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley, and we want you to stay informed. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. God bless you.